War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. It's Thursday. It is July 14th. <clears throat> and, folks, last night was uh, a night to remember, not for good reasons, but a night to remember. If you haven't seen it, we'll have all the video up on the website, dipietro.com. I arrived at that arm standoff in North Providence uh, right around 5 o'clock. I did not get home until after 2 30 this morning it's the longest facebook live we did three facebook lives um the longest amount of time it was exhausting as you can imagine uh north providence police handled it very well i am happy to hear it It has resulted in a peaceful standoff and then peacefully however i noticed that um just as i was leaving state police cut the power um I don't know why that wasn't done earlier. I want to commend some things I do want to mention. North Providence Mayor Charlie Lombardi was fantastic. Updating media on the scene. The the uh, North Providence Police Chief. Excellent. Updating media on the scene. This is an individual who had posted some pretty wild videos. <clears throat> Clearly off. Uh, off kilter ranting and raving and let me say this he is clearly someone that should not have access to weapons rhode island does have red flag red flag laws now we need to find out this is someone who's been arrested many times known to police um rumors of drugs involved but the any weapon should be removed from the home that is someone going forward that should not have access to weapons uh, that could have gone a lot of different ways. They're very lucky the way that it ended peacefully, even though the standoff started at 3 o'clock Wednesday afternoon and ended <clears throat> um, right around 8.30 this morning. So very, very long, obviously, uh, very exhausting and also of resources they got him the food i was the one that asked the question what did he order that's when the chief said he wanted three wieners and a pizza so then that kind of took off juan was the one on the scene that asked that it's one of those things people will remember very rhode island type of thing but um but listen we're, we're at a crossroads here where the you have the two-way people who I like and respect and I tend to side with. But at the same time, you know, last night, that individual who fired a high-powered weapon outside of his home yesterday afternoon, for whatever reason, um, and, and, and whatever the reason was, I don't know if there is a legitimate reason, but whatever he reason he did it, I think it was an AR-15, that is someone that should not have a weapon in society so i i again i want to repeat i don't know why the red flag laws did not kick in maybe 
I, I, we can only speculate. Either he, he brought it right to the edge or his types of crimes didn't warrant enacting the red flag laws. But the person in, in North Providence last night, North Provolone, as they call it, was beautiful neighborhood, by the way, um, clearly is someone that should not have weapons. Now, again, the, there is a difference if he has a pistol could could he he had a woman a woman in there with him um he says it's his wife they have different last names the police they thought said it was not his wife so i don't know what to make of all this but could 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 he have harmed himself or her or someone if he had a knife yes but there's a huge difference of somebody saying that that guy should not have a high-powered weapon that he was threatening the police if you come into this house there's going to be a bloodbath you may take me out but i'm going to take out a bunch of you now again there's a big difference somebody with a six-shot pistol and instead somebody with a high-powered weapon that could then reload so that can't be ignored i think last night uh gun right advocates need to understand that doesn't help the cause that helps the cause i'm not saying there's anything can do about it but last night is the type of thing it it it's definitely a game changer when someone has that type of weapon so he fired it sometime right around 2 30 a neighbor heard it called 911 and then the standoff started so um you know I, I i'm still processing the whole thing folks i mean i'd like to praise the north providence police maybe the state police should have come in sooner maybe someone that has more experience <clears throat> apparently once they cut the power the guy was then saying he wanted the power turned back on do you think they're in there they have internet they have uh air conditioning um if you cut the power maybe that goes out and we cut the power he can't be communicating and being online and things like that so i i don't know if i'm even gonna have a chance to ask that if someone had thought okay after a few hours and they have the cousin on the scene from cranston cranston police officer came in and they're dealing with them i just don't know why and then the guy wouldn't respond um and i know this is total monday morning quarterbacking i don't know the reason why what's the amount of time before they decide to cut the power because if they could have cut the power if then he's sitting there in the dark if he doesn't have internet access a big problem with this was the fact that the woman was in there and the woman wouldn't leave and they'd put her on the phone and she would stay um so i believe the fear of police she wasn't a hostage but in a way she was a hostage because police wanted to avoid a situation where she was going to lose her life the longer she was there she said oh you know and again folks i i mean who knows the mindset but uh, um she apparently was saying oh no i i want to stay with him keep him safe well you know her staying there with him actually was not helping the situation i th i think police could have gone in sooner if she weren't there number one and number two um that that's not actually helping the situation it's not helping the situation it's kind of hindering the situation so it was a very long day this was um it was breaking news we jumped into action again i um i recognize a lot of people are not on facebook uh it's free and you use it for what you want to use it for but the live stream availability and the mechanism to do that is just it's just such a game changer in news um and and people could see the visual and see me interviewing mayor lombardi and see me and see the whole scene and interviewing the police chief again i will have the videos up on the website which is topetro.com but this and and it was also the the full buck moon last night and so forth so uh the videos it's it's long obviously and there's different ones and i know people are going back and watching but he is just um that is a scenario you have to wonder all local police departments have to monitor who it is that has access to weapons these standoffs with police where they you know they set up a fortress in their home sadly i they're, they're not going away they're not going to be going away they could be increasing and I'll, I'll also say this folks and again 
You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Stop in and see them. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. It's Steve and Debbie and Junior and Byron. They are a full-scale nursery, and they have a great Facebook page. They're having a fantastic season. I'm so happy for them. I'm not surprised because the quality and the service is second to none. It's PR, landscape materials, and garden center. So, folks, we're going to have a lot up on the website, topetro.com. Those that missed it, it was uh, it was quite the event. And then we were carrying, um, as the chief was in live and and giving everyone updates. And um, that was that was a long one. And, uh, and we had no notice, obviously. We were jumping into action just as, you know, everything was kind of going down. So it was, um, it was um, an extraordinary night. And, um, and also, you know, every time I do some of these types of live streams, that was a different one. You know, we learn for it. There's different things you prepare. There's things that you, you learn by doing them, and then you go along, and then you hopefully... Uh, keep getting you know better and as you're as you're doing it but it was um that was one for the books again i do want to it is a reminder that we have some people out there that obviously are uh, unbalanced so to speak putting it mildly and i think you know i know in different parts of the country they're they're really fighting the red flag laws and they're trying to use the argument of you know, the government wants to take your guns away. But, you know, look at the videos of the individual last night that was holed up in his home in North Provolone in North Providence. And you tell me if that seems like someone that you're comfortable. You know, he's saying, I'm exercising my Second Amendment right. <laughs> As he's holed up in the house. Uh, the neighborhood had to be evacuated. The neighborhood was in a... Um, the neighborhood was in a shelter in place and and for what this was over just somebody going off a summertime rant with a full moon a criminal i think the penalty should be very very severe i believe <clears throat> and um and police i think because of her the woman in the home they wanted to end peacefully but <clears throat> i think there's also a line Apparently, as long as they're not harming themselves or threatening or or harming others, the standoff stays. You know, there were police that I was communicating with last night from different districts that were saying <clears throat> they're in for a long night. You know, they just, this is, they try to wait them out. It becomes a waiting game. And this guy's making demands. He wanted dinner. He wanted, needed time to think things through. Then he wouldn't answer the phone. Uh, then they, they cut the power, but then they gave him a cell phone to communicate with them. And then finally, uh, he was brought into custody. And when you see it, you'll see you, you, let's do this. When you see the video and the footage of this individual, you take a look at it and decide, is that someone that I want living next to me that has high powered weapons? I think the answer would be no. All right. It is Thursday. Uh, we have a lot of that and much more to catch up on right here. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Again, folks, I want to remind you, go to the website, DePietro.com, which is brought to you by Home Again Consignment. Our friend John Amato, he, um, Governor Francis Shopping Center, Warwick, fine furniture, art, antique, glassware. He will handle estate sales. You can also find them on Facebook, Home Again Consignment. Fine furniture, art, antiques, glassware, jewelry, they do it all. It's a beautiful shop, home again consignment. Well, folks, again, you, we never know. It's just never dull. Things suddenly just pop up like this, and we were on the scene. Uh, you can check out everything at the website, petro.com. You are listening to The John DePetro Show. Time means grill time. And for the best grill, get a new grill. Stop in and see my friends. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV. J apostrophe S Broadway Appliance and TV, located 47 Cedar Swamp Road. That's Route 5 Smithfield. You can call them 401 949 7800. 
springtime, summer, this is the best time to grill outside. They have a great selection on grills. They also have a great selection on all appliances. Family-run business since 1963. Remember, you're going to deal directly with the owner, and they will match or beat any package deal when it comes to appliances. Do you need a new refrigerator? How about a new dishwasher, washing machine, dryer, oven, microwave, Jay's Broadway Appliance. Look for them online at jsappliance.com. Also on Facebook, springtime, summer is grill time. Stop in and see them. They're open Monday through Friday from 10 to 5. You can make an appointment for more personal Saturday and Sunday appointments. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV, 401-949-7800. Better yet, drive in and see them, 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5 in Smithfield. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Joining right now, former chief of the U.S. Border Patrol, retired acting ICE director, 34 years in government as a Border Patrol agent. Joining us right now, of course, is Ron Vitello. Ron, it's John DePietro. Welcome to the program, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, good morning, John. Glad to be with you. Ron, I want to start off. This is uh, absolute insanity. Uh, I'm curious, your thought, with all your experience, all your years, the uh, the amount of surge we have right now at the border. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the worst surge we've seen in, uh, on the southwest border in the history of that entire border. Uh, upon the commencement of this administration, they removed the tools that were available, the tools that abated the last surge at the border under the previous administration. Uh, and on day one, they, they took those policies and destroyed them and in turn have destroyed the border, putting border communities and the rest of the country and the entire homeland at risk because we've sent a signal around the globe uh, that if you want to come to the border illegally, uh, now's the time to do it. Mexico stopped helping us. Why did they do that? Well, they got lots of problems in Mexico, but they're not about to help us when our own domestic policy, when our own immigration policy does not adhere to the rule of law. So lots of people in the pipeline, lots of people at risk uh, to include the men and women across the United States. These people don't stay at the border uh, when they cross the U.S.-Mexico border. They come all. They come to this economy. They come all over the United States. Uh, some of them are at great risk for being trafficked by smugglers. Uh, and because the Border Patrol is so overwhelmed, because the facilities are so overwhelmed, because there's so many people to get into the system, uh, the smugglers and the cartels uh, are stuffing their pockets with the fees for smuggling, and they're able to smuggle at will. So while our economy crashes and inflation goes through the roof, uh, the cartels uh, on the southwest border, who largely control that territory now, uh, are getting rich off of the feckless policies of this administration. What type of numbers are we talking about for the month of May? May is over just nearly 240,000. It's the largest single month on record. And what's important to know about that, those are just the encounters that are in the system that CBP can record. It does not account for the many people who come to the southwest border and are never encountered by law enforcement. And because, like I said, the Border Patrol is so consumed with the surge of humanity, the smugglers can move things and people across the border at will. And so many people come to that southwest border and are never encountered by law enforcement. And it isn't just people from Central and South America. It isn't just people from Mexico. It's people from all over the globe, places that we would never go on vacation uh, you know, to, 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 to take our families to because they don't care about the American way of life. In fact, uh, many places in the world where you know we need to be suspicious of them, like Russia, like China, uh, and other places. How are these numbers compared to, say, when President Trump was in office? Well, we did have some surges under Trump. Nothing this big. The problem that we see today is much, much larger. And I, I was in that administration that the president. I was lucky enough to be nominated by him to be the, the ICE director. And you could tell from the moment. He took office from the moment we started interacting with him. He was dedicated to giving the American people a secure border and an immigration system that had integrity. Um, that is not the case in this administration. They have done exactly the opposite. They have promoted policies 
that promote an open border and 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 that's that's the the problem that we have yeah there were there were issues under trump we had a surge at the border in 19 and 20 but it was abated he gave us tools to solve that problem the problem was largely solved when this administration took over they had 30-year lows in activity at the southwest border and now like i said we're seeing the worst surge ever Ron, what type of numbers are we looking at just the past 16 months under President Biden? Well, it's millions of people who have come to that <clears throat> southwest border just in the last 18 months. Um, so we ended the last fiscal year, I think it was 1.3. Um, we're almost double that, and last year was a record. So you, know, you could see well over two. It's, 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 it was well over 2 million a couple of months ago, uh, and that's just encounters again. That doesn't account for the for for the lack of control, the lack of patrol resources that are at the immediate border because the border patrol is so consumed uh, with this activity, with this surge. You have places like uh, like Yuma, Arizona, Del Rio, Texas, where the border patrol cannot even deploy people to go to the southwest border, cannot go and respond to sensors, cannot patrol the border because they're so busy uh, in dealing with the traffic at hand. Folks, again, uh, you're listening to the John DePietro Show with us right now is, in fact, Ron Vitello, former chief of staff, U.S. Border Patrol, retired acting ICE director. Now, Ron, here's something else that uh, people should understand is there is certainly a direct correlation with the amount of deadly fentanyl that is coming over. These people aren't coming over empty handed. Well, that's a good point. Like I said, the, the smugglers have ultimate control of what goes across that line. That's how cartels vie with their power on, on the southwest border. They, they allow smugglers or they tax smugglers or they, or they tax and traffic uh, the people themselves. And so they're in control of what happens. And it is not a coincidence that we're losing tens and thousands of Americans every year uh, to the opioid crisis uh, and fentanyl overdoses. Many of these drugs come across the border uh, because, again, the Border Patrol is busy doing this other work that they have to do, putting people in the system, booking in what they call processing. Uh, and so this allows the, the smugglers to smuggle at will. And it, it's not a coincidence that so many people are dying at the same time our southwest border is completely out of control. And finally, um, Ron, you know, a little bit of pushback. President Biden, he claims that the border is under control and Vice President Harris in control of the border. She claims the border is under control. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no uh, interest in securing the southwest border. They ask us not to believe our own eyes. You can see the images on television. You can see the numbers purported by their own agency. Uh, if, if the border was in control, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We'd all be very comfortable, and, and we wouldn't be at the kind of risk that they're at now. 240,000 encounters in one month is completely out of control and many of those people after they're encountered by cbp with a brief stay through the processing and booking procedure are being released in the united states almost a hundred thousand people have been released just this year alone folks again uh the border continues to dominate uh nothing good about this certainly seems like an open border he is ron vitello and again former chief of u.s uh, border patrol 34 years in government and uh, also, obviously, as a Border Patrol agent. Ron, thank you for joining us. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again. It was great talking to you. Thanks a lot. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401 732 1730 j perry paving they are tremendous they also how about this once a month they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran and remember whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed call j perry paving for a free quote it makes a huge difference in your property in your home in your driveway or patio 401-732-1730 j perry paving 401-732-1730 you can also find them on facebook they're terrific hey get that driveway paved call and book an appointment now 401-732-1730 for j perry paving you're listening to the john DePietro show folks it's am 1380 99.9 joining us right now he is the national right to work committee president 
and we're going to discuss President Biden and what he has plans with his pals at the AFL-CIO. And it's our friend, President Mark Mix. Um, thank you for joining us once again, Mark Mix. John, good to be with you, and thanks for the opportunity to chat about uh, the recent speech by Biden at the AFL-CIO convention. Mark, talk a little bit about that, and especially uh, something that should frighten everyone is this business of Biden and the support for the so-called PRO Act. Yeah, absolutely, John. That's uh, probably the primary objective of organized labor in this legislative session, a bill that's already passed the House of Representatives with no committee hearings and no testimony. Um, it is on uh, pending in the Senate committee. Uh, the bill would first and foremost wipe out all 27 right-to-work laws across the country. Uh, those laws are very simple. They say that workers can join unions, participate in unions, and you know run for office in unions and give their entire paycheck to unions if they want to, but they can't lose their job if they decide they don't want to financially support the labor union. They're very, very simple. Uh, they're in place in 27 states, and the PRO Act would wipe them all out by federal decree. Um, additionally, in that bill, there's a move toward card check unionization, taking away uh, opportunities for secret ballot elections for union certification. That means that, John, you know, three of my buddies and I can show up at your front porch and, and have you sign this card saying that, you know, hey, we can say everything we want. We can say you're going to get your pay raise or you get more insurance. And that card, the signature on that card, turns out to be a vote for unionization. And is very, very difficult to withdraw. That's in there. Uh, secondary boycotts, the idea that uh, you know unions can go protest at a customer's house or a customer's business, and, then, and that customer calls the target, the company that's trying to be unionized, and says, you know, what's going on? I got union people all over my shop over here. They want you to, to recognize the union. Uh, what do I do about this? And so far under American labor law, that's, it, that's illegal, but the secondary boycott is something that would be authorized by the PRO Act. So it's pending in the Senate. It's uh, they, They've got little time to get it done with the elections looming on the horizon, John. And I think politically, there are a lot of folks that probably say, we don't want to get into that. We're glad to mouth support for it. But if we actually vote for it, it's going to be damaging to the economy, like most of the policies that Joe Biden has uh, that involve big labor. Mark Mix, it's it's frightening even that, uh, that President Biden would even, I mean, this is so different than what President Trump would do. But just the fact that he supports this PRO Act is... I mean, to me, that, that shows how much they just control the Biden administration. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when he when he came on the stage in, in Philadelphia the other day, he, uh, you know, to standing ovations of union officials, not rank-and-file workers, frankly, John, because there's a big and a growing divide between rank-and-file workers and the the so-called union officials that represent them. And, you know, he came out and, and uh, talked about, you know, you're the ones that brought me here and all the money and all the power that you give me. And, you know, you guys are, uh, the, you, you, come, you, you go to the dance, you go home from the dance with the ones that brought you and all this good stuff. And, frankly, Frankly, it's just amazing to hear what he's got to say about, you know, union, you know, being the most pro-union president in American history. If you're in the energy sector, if you were working on the Keystone Pipeline or you're working on an oil rig, a wildcat, or out in, you know, on federal lands doing exploration and, and drilling, uh, 14,000 of those types of employees who all had union cards in their pocket were basically on the unemployment line after Joe Biden took office. And, you know, the union officials that represent those workers uh, endorsed him, gave money to him, and helped him get elected, which is true. I mean, he says that uh, openly. They they were the reason why he got elected. But yet, when we think about, you know, the Trump election in 2016, we know this, that rank-and-file workers in Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio and Illinois and Indiana, those states where Trump won, surprisingly, it, it, it goes without saying that rank-and-file union members crossed over from the advice, and I'm using my finger quotes here, John, the advice that union officials gave them about who to vote for and voted for Donald Trump, who wanted to secure our borders and, and uh, lower taxes and lower you know, government regulations and uh, reduce government regulations. And yet that agenda, which is, which is right on the sweet spot for most Americans, particularly most Americans in the workplace, that are now paying you know, $6 for a gallon of gas and, and they can't believe the prices at the grocery store when they go there to shop for food for their families. You know, that disconnect is growing wider and wider, but yet you know, the mainstream media touts this uh, speech to the working people of America. And frankly, John, as you know, only 6.1% of the private sector workforce is unionized today. So when he's up there talking about labor and labor policy and all this, He's trying to give favors to that very, very small group of union elites that are the ones that, quote, give him the money to, uh, you know, to get reelected or to get elected. Folks, again, we're speaking with National Right to Work Committee President Mark Mix. And, Marks, just so people have an understand, there's an awful lot of political spending at stake, and they're not afraid to spend it the way they did in 2020. 
Yeah, absolutely, John. You know, when we think about political spending and what the media spins out there is that, you know, you have the Soroses and the Koch brothers and you have the RNC, the Republican National Committee, the Democrat National Committee, and you have other, you know, uh, hedge fund titans that are out there pouring millions of dollars into races, which they are. But when you tally up the money that you organize labor spends on politics, which, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at it, but the, the most base way to look at it is what they report on their LM2 forms and their, their political action reports with the government every two years after these elections. And, and it's easy to find almost $2 billion in political spending. And then if you start overlaying the state activity from the state unions that don't file these types of reports because they don't have private sector workers like the NEA and other unions uh, that represent government employees, the number grows so dramatically and so quickly that it's enormous. And people, you know, it's almost unbelievable. But when Justice Alito ruled in our Janus versus uh, AFSCME case at the U.S. Supreme Court almost four years ago to the day, John, he said that everything that government unions do is political because they're trying to redress and control the direction of government. And we've seen that in the schools. We're seeing that. I mean, unfortunately, we're seeing it in the schools and just how powerful they are. But all that money is is basically deemed to be political. And, and so they're trying to elect the bosses that they will sit down at the table with and negotiate with. And so once you start adding those numbers in, you can get to, you know, 10, 11, 12 billion dollars every two years for political and lobbying activity. Folks, again, we'll speak with our friend Mark Bix. And Mark, can you touch on also the situation with uh, AFL-CIO leader Frank Schneider in Pennsylvania? Yeah, you know, I wish I could, John. That was one of those great mysteries that kind of popped up right before the AFL-CIO convention in Philadelphia. He was supposed to be named the state president of the AFL-CIO, and all of a sudden there's a press release put out that says he's no longer going to be the president. They've put somebody else in, and Liz Shuler, the, uh, the, the new president of the AFL-CIO, who replaced Richard Trumka, who passed away last year, um, she basically said, you know, it's an internal matter, nothing happened there, but boy, John, it seems like to me that the Office of Labor Management Standards at the Department of Labor ought to be interested in what happened there, because if it's financial malfeasance, then the rank-and-file workers across the state of Pennsylvania need to know about that. They need to know what happened. Just like the bosses of the UAW, of which 14 top executives are in jail today for financial malfeasance and stealing and, and using union members' money to go to Palm Springs and play golf and buy $400 bottles of champagne. I mean, this was it's, it's kind of a cover-up right now. It, it's be interesting to see what happened there and whether any information comes out about what Mr. Snyder did to basically deny him uh, the presidency, the office of the presidency of the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO when he was, I guess, duly elected to, to be sworn in at the convention in Philadelphia. Wow. Mark, can you just also go back on the PRO Act? That is really uh, amazing simply because, you know, the states that, that have become right-to-work states, um, you know, Florida, North Carolina, um, Florida, North Carolina, I believe Ohio, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of people that felt that it's, it's, it's tragic that Rhode Island, if Rhode Island would pivot into that, how Rhode Island really could have stood out uh, in New England, probably be the, I think the closest right-to-work state would have been Ohio, but that's um that's incredible boy they they never let down their guard they're always trying to cut in and felt they finally had a president that would try to push across this pro act to get rid of the right to work status yeah well actually west virginia is the closest now they oh, west virginia and virginia okay. are both right to work states ohio's not a right to work state yet oh. john we're working on that okay. but we'll get there we'll get there absolutely but yeah you're right i mean the idea of union officials and their opposition is so crystal clear as to why because they want the money they yeah. don't want to have to go out and sell their product to workers they they don't know how to do that for, frankly since 1935 actually 1937 when the supreme court upheld the federal wagner act which is now known as the national labor relations act they have had government authority and government privilege to say to you, John, look, if you don't pay us, you don't work. I mean, that's the federal policy. And so, you know, after this power that developed from that point to 19, to the end of World War II, uh, 1946, union officials grew you know, astronomically, union membership and union power grew during that period. In 1947, the Congress passed the Taft-Hartley Act, which said states could, by affirmative vote, outlaw the closed shop, which is in place in 23 states where, literally, if you don't pay union dues, the union official goes to the employer, your employer says, John hasn't paid, John has to be fired. And wow. that's the way the law works, and it's federally imposed. And so the states that have right to work protect workers against that. But because it's a federally granted privilege to the states to pass right to work uh, laws, Joe Biden could, with a stroke of a pen, 
wipe out all 27 right-to-work laws and go back under this federal forced unionism authority that exists since the 1930s. And before I let you go, could you just highlight some of the, just say that like the top five or top 10 right-to-work states that they're really thriving with business? Yeah, in Michigan, Indiana, South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. I'll keep going if you want, John. But wow. suffice to say, that's where that's where the growth in America is. Nevada, Arizona, uh, Idaho. Uh, you know, those are the states that are actually growing and creating opportunities for young families to to have uh, a better standard of living than in in state. Unfortunately, states like Rhode Island and Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, and and California and, and uh, Illinois and those states that still allow union officials to have that dramatic power over workers. Uh, folks, he is the National Right to Work Committee President, Mark Mix. Mark, before I let you go, how can people log on to learn more about the National Right to Work Committee? Yeah, John, thanks. They can find us on that amazing internet at www.nrtwc.org, nrtwc.org. Mark Mix, the people are with you. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. The next time you have an emergency... Head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine. Diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions you someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to atmed urgent care two locations johnston 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 or east greenwich 5750 post road online at atmedurgentcare.net listening to the john DePetro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePetro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he's the managing editor for AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to actually start off. Providence Journal has a story, and I want to give them credit because at least they're starting to draw attention to it. But I, I know uh, that people are not aware about what's about to happen. Uh, so many possible glitches that could take place. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on the fact that uh, Rhode Island, and I think this is totally wrong, this should not happen, there's going to be mistakes and problems here, but the state is uh, moving into electronic voting. Well, certainly the the problems are manifold. In fact, from what I understand, many national organizations, including some pretty left-leaning, and I believe Common Cause Rhode Island is on this list, oppose this move right now because it's just not ready um, and there, there's so many risks. And a lot of it seems to be, certainly from that Providence Journal article, it seems to be uh, driven by the company, a company that intends to profit from this, this shift. Who, you know, they've hired lobbyists to try to get government to move in this direction. Uh, and I, I think it's, I, I share your concerns that it's, it's not secure. And I think especially at this place, at this time and place, particularly, I mean, even just objectively put aside our political leanings after the last election and, and all of that, I think moving into something that raises even more questions about elections is a terrible, terrible move. I mean, more than anything at this point, we need just really a couple elections uh, where people are very confident that there were no sh- shenanigans, that everything was done according to the books. Uh, and this is just a, a step too far. It really makes you feel like people just want to be able to control the outcomes. You know, it's interesting, Justin. That, uh, excellent point. I agree. And, and on top of that, you know, those that are in favor of it, and, and there's some pretty couple of people that are very vocal, it, they, all they talk about is that it's unfair for the disabled. Otherwise, how? But, but, you know, what's never addressed is uh, how did they vote in the past? I mean, I, I just don't understand this nature. It's not like we have this large block of individuals that they say, you know, we've been sitting out these elections because we've been unable to 
to do it. It's it's there's there's no barriers. Um, you know, you think how far we're getting from the basis of an election day where that is the day. OK, you know, go to the polls. The polls are open. Cast your vote. Last minute campaigning right up till the, the very end. And we're getting so far away from that. And now, you know, moving an electronic voting, Justin Katz, we have to talk about the fact that the state's track record, whether it be UHIP or, you know, other instances is not exactly stellar when it comes to confidence and how we can handle things like that. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I thought of UHIP as well. Just the idea that we could we could pull it off is, is in itself, even if it were desirable. That's that's a major question mark in Rhode Island. But as far as the the reference to disabled people and so on, I, I mean, it's it's just classic radical progressive rhetoric, right? You pick a group, a sympathetic group that maybe could benefit by the thing you want to do for some other reason, say stealing elections, and you you focus on that group. So nobody asks any questions. You insulate the group. And we've talked about this with with I don't know when when progressives hide behind children or something. You know, you oh you can't hurt the children, right? It's all just hiding behind them. And I, I think that's what we see with that is they okay, we want electric ballot voting for whatever reason. What group can we put forward as our quote in marketing you call it the hero as our yep. hero uh to to be the uh the face of this so nobody can question our motives we, it's all it's all good and and who could possibly want to prevent the poor disabled people from voting and as you say they've been voting you know and in fact you know exactly. just psychologically i mean just it's almost i'd almost prefer to give people something small they can do like that to feel like they've they've done something they've participated as few full human beings and they don't have to sit at home and and they're, they're too poor and disabled to, to actually go out right. and vote i mean that that i and to that i mean if, if that's a, a kind of a tangent but i think it, it goes speaks to the very different the very different worldviews and idea of what our country should even be. Where, as you say, you go out to the polls. This is what we do. It's how we express our our democratic priorities and and how we show we're fully participating in our society. No, no, no. You can stay home, click on the internet, give us your vote, and and that's good enough. You can just be a potato in your in your room. And I I think for all all those reasons, it really shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't even be a, a discussion, frankly. It really should not. And again, folks, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com. Justin, it's just it's so far away from, you know, you go to your local polling place and they call out your name. Many times it's actually very social, uh, but people like to be part of the, the process. I, um, I don't know how then you start to track that down. And you're also exactly right. Someone who's a, a big blowhard on this is that re- retired judge who used to be part of the Board of Elections, Steve Erickson. Anyone that springs this up, he starts saying, my wife is disabled. Oh, are you saying you don't want her to vote? She can't vote because she's dis- how has she been voting in the past? Like, what are you talking about? And, and so everything has to bend because, I mean, there are many, unfortunately, people who are disabled. But, you know, we, we there are restaurants that are handicap accessible. There's Ripta's handicap accessible. Why, why is it that suddenly these these people are unable to? to vote i i think uh, everything could just blow up uh with this september primary now also i want to get your thought on two things number one it's a big piece in uh politico where they talk about the fact that democrats normally safe seats are really in the play they highlight and have a photo of former Christian mayor alan funk but justin i'd like to get your thoughts on that newsmaker interview i i just couldn't believe the first segment they do it in segments the first line of questioning in the segment uh for former cranston mayor alan funk to his credit he sat there took it answered it all pretty well but boy it is to me it's almost like a parody of how they treat a republican candidate for office well yeah i mean it's right that you connect those stories and there, there are multiple where we're seeing examples of this the national nationally partly because of Joe Biden, partly because Democrats are running everything and they don't run things very well, Democrats are in trouble. And so they've got talking points. And that one, and true to form, one of those talking points is point to the most extreme person we can find in, a, in, in some red area so that we can, we can hit the blue state Republicans for this. And that's what they do. I mean, that's, that's, I, th- I think if Alan Fung had a, had a really 
good response. It was the right one. Is you know, I think he was actually you know very lighthearted about it. It's like newsflash: Republicans are going to take Congress, and Rhode right. Island should have a voice in that majority party. Yes. You may not like them wherever they are across the country, but you, you need to have some say in what they're doing. You can't just sit on the other side and gripe like Cicilline. Uh, well, he didn't say that. I am, but the. Uh, so I, I think that's a, that's exactly the the issue. They're just looking for all these things, and it, it is so. I mean, I was thinking about you know all the all the various issues on the table, and actually a, a visiting priest in my my church this weekend put it in a way I hadn't thought of. I mean, they, progressives are literally hunting down Supreme Court justices. Yes. there's 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 literally a group paying people yep. fifty to two hundred dollars to tell them where the justices are, so they can go harass them in public and mob them. There's no question about that, right? There's, oh, Alan Fung, what's your position on abortion? You know, they're, what about Ron DeSantis? There's no question of, of, to Democrats. Oh, Seth Magaziner, what do you think about progressives hunting down Supreme Court justices? I mean, it's, it's, it just shows you how, how very much the media, even if it's not an overt bias, they just so buy into and are so sympathetic to the Democrat side and the progressive side. I don't even know if they realize what they're doing. They just think this is kind of what journalism is and how it's done. And it's a real shame, but, it, but it, it's so predictable at this point that as Alan Fung showed, you, it's possible to, to have a, a good response that kind of puts, puts them back on their heels a little bit. And just I don't expect everyone to have seen it, but folks, the the, you know, and again, I, I respect Tim White. I respect Ted Nisi. I understand they feel the I like the you know, I, I have to ask you these questions. It's really it's not a have to. It's they want to. But, you know, the questions are about January 6th. The questions are about in 2024. Would you vote for Trump? Uh, are you going to cast a ballot for Kevin McCarthy? I mean, it's it's one right after another. And Justin, that also ties in with, you know, the media. Other than I'll give credit to Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe that said, you know, I was really uncomfortable with that. And I'm certainly not carrying it in water. But at that Langevin magazine or press briefing where Lynch, uh, Congressman Langevin gave his endorsement to Seth Magazine of the general treasurer, Magazine takes the microphone and is instructing the media, OK, and you're going to help us get out there and you're going to help us do this against Mayor Fung. And and here's where your part comes in. Justin Katz, it, it was is as if he was addressing volunteers for the campaign that were ready to, you know, go out and knock on doors. Have you ever seen when they gather everyone around and we're going to go out and this is our message and everyone's got their marching orders? I, I think that was the, one of the more remarkable pieces that I noticed that the the local media doesn't want to talk about, that that's how Seth Magazine views them as part of the campaign. Well, yeah, certainly Democrats have learned to to do that. Wow. Right? I mean, that's that's just how... That's how it works. I mean, nationally, a lot of conservative pundits say, you know, it's a, the Democrat, the media wing of the Democrat Party is how they put yes. it. There's, there's real, there's real justification for that view. And as I said, it's, it's not, it's not entirely clear to me that any of them realize what they're doing. Even maybe Magaziner, to some extent, it seemed like he was saying, oh, well, we're just going to focus on the important facts, and you're going to help us because you provide facts. But and they all think it's objectively reality but they're just they're they're just so in that group think especially around here and we, we've discussed over the last couple of years they they are overtly excluding alternative voices which is you know why all these news media organizations ought to have deliberately have people even if even if us conservatives are, are in a very small minority which you know i'm i'm not entirely sure we are in rhode island then that ought to be a represented voice at least to put a little bit of fire and pressure on on the incumbents who control everything from the democrat party in this state uh, so i say so I, I, again i don't think they i don't think they even realize how in lockstep they actually are and how predictably uh, predictably partisan they are i think they think they're they're actually objective and i, I don't know that seth magazine even thought he was giving instructions he just it just came across because that's what they do they just they're all in the same club so to speak Folks, we're going to take a, a quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, YankeeTreeService.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming experts based right in lincoln tree removal 
Since 2006, and also 24-7 emergency service available, call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028, whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service. On top of that, nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com. Remain healthy, stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 305 3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from davenport restaurant the Senadale revival stop it and see them comfort food and cocktails you're gonna love the Senadale revival located 2025 smith street north providence right in Senadale, right across from north providence town hall delicious food delicious drinks live entertainment on the weekends shane and his crew they're waiting for you a great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale revival 2025 smith street in north providence to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com remember weekdays 11 to 2 but visit the website dipetro.com that's the best way to reach me there's a direct link contact john we also have all our sponsors right there we have unique original reporting stories videos also all our links to social media whether it's facebook when we do facebook live or youtube or twitter it's all right there at the website dipetro.com and then remember once you're there you can also visit the shop we have great gifts that you can get it's a happening all links to the show plus if you ever miss any part of the show it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, or an island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.